0: Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. The plumpness of them and the chaotic way in which they fly, when they not just fly into your windshield, they fly into you. They land on you. This has happened to me 50 times already. Fly right into you. What do you make of that? I I make, I'm getting out of here. It's it's awful. it, 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 It was just, so yesterday... I didn't go back outside. I didn't didn't get out of the car. I would only go get drive-through food. I would not even get out of the car. This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. Well, that's certainly one way of dealing with the cicadas, just never getting out of your car. Uh, Michael is here, six feet, one inches away, properly socially distanced, even though maybe we don't have to do that anymore at Uncle Benny's table. I want to begin today with just a story that happened to me just this morning, and then I want to get to some email. I'm walking the dog. It's about 6.15. I'm walking here. I'm walking here, uh, as Ratso Rizzo would say, and I'm banging on the, on the car hood. I'm walking here. So I'm walking down the alley to come back <clears throat> into the house, and I notice there's a bird flying pretty low uh, and in lower branches of trees, squawking. Just squawking, not not a pleasant sound, a squawking sound, a sort of angry bird sound, not a song, not melodic, not calling to other birds, not any of those things. A call of distress? No, it's it's anger, it's anger, and I I look up in it and it's following me. Anger at you? Yes, it's following me and the dog, and this happens for about thirty feet, and it's squawking like ah, like that, (laughs) like not melodic ah like that like warning get away now the first thing you think of is maybe it's a it's nesting and it's got eggs or something like that but how do i know that i don't go up in the tree i mean i just see this bird and the bird then dive bombs on me hits me in the head and made, shoulders made contact yes hits me in the head and shoulders oh there goes the neighborhood you know yeah. and and i what you know what what are we talking about here i get into my own yard it doesn't follow me particularly into my own yard well it respects the boundary line but it hits me in the head and shoulders what do you make it that ever happen to you that no it doesn't happen to no, people No, I,
1: I sort of thought this was going to go in the direction where the bird decided to defecate on you no uh, we may now, have done that anyway a, after the first contact did the bird fly away look back trying to see if it's going I have to no be idea exchange, i was rubbing my head just like this was one shot it took its shot now it's gone i don't know
0: i said hey, hey. what like that one what because it it actually dive bombed on me. Could have used its its talons to cut my skin. Could have, didn't. I've had a lot of close calls with birds, but I they always stop short of contact. Don't you think that it's it had to be, it had to feel either very chesty and wanted to get in a fight, Physically which threatened. I doubt, but yes, had to feel threatened. But how was I threatening? I must be near its nest. It's, it's yeah. all I can think of. It's all Is I it, can think of. But I'm sure people out there who understand birds, Better than Could I will email. you give us the squawk one more time? Yeah! <laughs> like that. Is it possible- but it was not, pl- again, not, it was not pleasant. It certainly was not pleasant when you just redid it. Let me just- uh,
1: uh, Is it possible look- the bird is from Jacksonville? and maybe just has some lingering- <laughs> It's a long
0: form. way to go to do that. It's a long way to go <laughs> to Happy hit me in the head and show Happy birthday everyone ever bored except <laughs> Tony, Tony Kornheiser. Kornheiser. <laughs> Um I just want to say this to CJ in Fargo. It was a tremendous email. I love this email. When we got to the payoff- at the end of the email between you and the person you were with and all of that and the lines, um, I just thought we were maybe walking into a politically incorrect minefield. So we didn't do it on the air. But CJ and Fargo, I loved this email. Let me stay with some emails. Uh, Nigel gave me this today. This is from Eric Grohn in Niceville, Florida. And this will make you cry. In light of your conversation with Jay Billis, in the podcast, I thought I'd share my Coach K story and how I came to appreciate him much more as a man than as a coach. One of my best friends in college in the late 80s, a three-year roommate, was a six-foot, six-inch center from a tiny town in South Dakota who worked his tail off to become a starter on our NAIA basketball team as a senior. No surprise that the likes of Jay Billis, Danny Ferry, and Mark Allery became his role models, and he developed a fierce affinity for the rising Duke program. Of course, in the spirit of friendly rivalry, the rest of us developed an equally fierce distaste for the program, love him or hate him. After college, he became an even bigger Duke fan over the years, attending fantasy camps, going to games whenever the Blue Devils ventured into the Midwest, and making multiple pilgrimages to Cameron Indoor. You can imagine the continued mockery from our group of friends as a rising executive at a national bank becomes an even bigger fanboy of a college basketball team to which he had no real affiliation. Fast forward to 2010 when my fit, healthy friend is stricken with pancreatic cancer at 41. And who should become one of his biggest supporters but Coach K? He called every few weeks to check on him and just to chat for a few minutes. One of the last outings the family took together was when they were hosted at a game by Duke, the Duke program on a Midwestern trip. Pictures of a frail, cancer-stricken man standing on the court in pregame chatting with Coach K, Chris Collins, and Woj are indelibly etched in my memory. More than once when I checked in with him, he casually mentioned Coach K called last night. We had a nice talk. In fact, one of the last calls he received before he slipped away in hospice was from Coach K. After that display of true human kindness, there could be absolutely nothing to gain for Coach K from these interactions. I could never again muster the same emotions towards the hated Blue Devils. Coach K certainly appears to be the real deal, and that is now his legacy to me. That's just wonderful. It's just a wonderful story. And if you like Mike Krzyzewski, it validates your feelings. And if you hate them, it ought to change them. It ought to change them. Yeah. There's another thing here from Jack Richter in Sports Partnerships of Cameo. Remember Cameo? Cameo's <laughs> yeah. that thing that Nigel got from me, from Peter Asher. Are yeah, you're still on the phone with Peter Asher, right? Once a week? <laughs> uh, we don't, we've don't. we stopped. He hasn't called me. I called him a few times. He never called me. He says, uh, Tony, not sure if you're going to be able to check this message, but I'd love to connect with you and invite you to join Cameo. Not sure if you're familiar with us yet, but we're the platform where athletes, celebs, broadcasters, etc., can get paid by sending quick video messages to fans. We've gotten some requests from fans for you to be on, and I'm confident you'd see a lot of demand. Plus, you'd have a ton of fun with it. A lot of your peers are already on it, too, meaning old people. Some raising money for charity with cameos. Don't, don't guilt me. Are you free this week to jump on a quick call to chat more about how it would work for you? Thank you. I don't mean to denigrate Jack Richter in any way. I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that, but... Um, you don't want to find out more? No, I don't. I don't. I'm, I'm, I've done fine. Thank you. I don't For just want, a fraction although, of your time. I got to tell you that the Peter Asher thing was wonderful. It was wonderful and made me feel fabulous. And I could probably do that for people. I just, I don't want to do it. And if you, if you put that carrot out there that it's, you know, you can do it for charity. I, I'm, I just don't want to do it at the moment. From Kevin McHugh, right? Before I get to the invitation, please humor me for a moment. I was first introduced to you at the family dinner table in middle school. We sat down to two pizzas from the local pizza place and watched my dad navigate to pardon the interruption. Now, though I was in middle school, I was a multi-year ESPN veteran, so I knew of PTI already, but I'd never watched it before. Actually, all I knew about PTI is that it was the show that followed the one that I could never quite understand what was happening, and even then thought had an arbitrary scoring system that would be around the horn. When my dad pressed play on that remote, he also pressed play on what would turn into a family tradition that lasted until I left for college, PTI and dinner. It's amazing how the tradition evolved over the years. It started as 23 or so minutes, fast forwarding through the commercials, of course, of eating in collective silence as we listened to you and Mike and occasionally Phil and Frank as we caught up on the world of sports together. Over time, we saw that 23 minutes increase, 35 minutes as my dad and I started to have debates at the table of a couple of topics, an episode, 40 minutes after my little brother and mom got involved, 45 minutes after I convinced my dad to stop skipping every NBA topic. By the, by the summer before my freshman year of college, PTI episodes were taking us an hour to get through. I'm just going to add parenthetically, I hear this from a lot of people, that they sit around the table and they've watched us for a long time and they've welcomed us into their homes as friends. And that always makes me happy. The loyalty of it makes me happy. I feel that, of course, about the podcast in a much stronger way. But I'm happy about that with PTI. I'm happy to think that it spurred on conversations and relationships. Going to college, Kevin McHugh continues, I made the transition to the PTI podcast just in case whenever I got a call from home, any of them wanted to discuss the episode from the night before. After a couple of months of listening to Wilbon make snarky remarks about people you had on your podcast, I finally decided to figure out what he meant by a little. Four years later, I'm emailing the mailbag. Where did I go wrong? Being a lifetime Marylander, your stories about weather, restaurants, and a nightmare that is the Bay Bridge was as comforting for me as it was unrelatable for others. My invitation is for you and Michael at some point this summer to take an early exit off Route 50 on the way to Delaware and enjoy a round of golf at the Lynx at Perry Cabin in St. Michael's, Maryland, with my father and I. Before you make up your mind, let me add some information about the course I think you'll find to your liking. Unlike Columbia, there are zero difficult hills to climb for you or the cart. Those that love and hate Pete Dye alike find an equal yet vastly different pleasure in playing what is considered to be the last horse he constructed prior to passing away. The clubhouse is still under construction, which means there's no need to decline a 19th hole offer because one cannot be made. Please don't judge this humble construction manager's writing too harshly. I'll hang up and take your answer off air. Michael, don't we want to do this? Yeah, beautiful looking course. Don't isn't The Inn at Perry Cabin is the setting for wedding crashes. A lot of
1: water for you to dump some golf balls.
0: Yeah, you know, so why wouldn't I do that? I'd be thrilled to do that. It's on the eastern shore. It's a little, it's an hour less, right? It's an hour less than going to Rehoboth, I would think. Yeah, yeah. All right, so those are, that's... Pretty much the open that I had. Is there anything that I've left out? Michael? Was Josh any- Bell? Oh, yeah. So last night. Send him? What are you sending? He's, <laughs> he's lumbering. He doesn't run. He lumbers. Why is he playing every day? Hasn't he failed enough that you could put him off the starting lineup every day? Hasn't Kyle Schwarber failed enough? John Lester could not get through the fourth inning last night. And I think he's a... High-quality pitcher who goes out there and tries his best all the Been time. Been used a lot recently. Yeah, they took him out. The bases were loaded in a 1-1 game with two outs. And Davey Martinez took out John Lester, which I would not have done. And I certainly wouldn't have done it to put in Wander Suero. who I his control issues? Yeah, I don't believe he's a major leaguer. Like, I just don't. I don't think Wander Suero is a major leaguer except on the Nats. So I go upstairs at that point because there's a natural break in the action as Swearer warms up by, I'm sure, throwing a few over the scoreboard. And I go and I put on the television upstairs and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. There's nothing I can do to make it work. Something has happened in the same way, Sean, that when we lost the connection here. I think we probably lost the connection on that TV, though not on the downstairs TV. So I can't explain that or anything I'm about to say now. And I just stopped with the game. And I didn't find out until this morning that Suero actually got a fly ball to end that inning. But then in the next inning... Bring him back. ...validated everything that I believe about <laughs> Suero by walking two people, both of whom scored. May I make a recommendation? Yeah. So the Rays, this is a team and part of it's... They're a good team. Tampa's Very good, good team.
1: Really? And it's it's fun to see how they continue to get better year in, year in, year out based on how they work contracts and where they see value. And we like one of their coaches. So... I recommend tonight go up a few clicks on the dial and watch the College World Series softball game between Florida State and Oklahoma. number one Oklahoma. I've watched some Florida of that. State can knock him
0: out. Florida State beat him the other night, last night. I've, I, I enjoy Must watch every time you see Watson get on the bump. I enjoy it. I enjoy watching softball. I do. I they played the ball, softball. They
1: put the ball in play.
0: Yeah, right. It, it, it's, remember the days with the old, um, the great pitcher from UCLA who would strike out 20. Now, now contact is made far more often. The pitch is still coming in at 75, 80 miles an hour, but this contact is made. It's high-quality stuff. It really is. Um, why don't we take a break? Yes, take a break. Take a break. Uh, and I've lost all the things that I need to do the rest of the show. What are you looking for, reads? Reads and stuff like that. I've lost them all. Well, you have your legal pad. That's all you really need. Uh, Yeah. Well, the the ad I have to read is New Hero, so I'll be able to do that just off the top of my head. And we will have Brian Windhorst when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony
2: Kornheiser Show.
0: Okay, as I said, I've lost this, and that also means, by the way... Would you like me to do one of the other reads? No, 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 no. Because I I know what New Hero is. I know that it, it it helps you to hear which is something I really need. Do you just give me the new hero is spelled N-U-H-E-A-R-A. It was named the, the buds that they give you to help your hearing, to amplify the sound was named one of time's best inventions of 2020 I think it's new. I think it's IQ two or something like that. Uh, yes, yes, the, the IQ, IQ
1: the, uh, buds two, the two buds max. This the is two buds Hera, max. Yeah.
0: yeah. So we have them. Michael has opened up the box where we keep the new hero stuff. Fully
1: charged. Yeah. Already connected to your phone. So the,
0: the, let me explain the problem. And like everybody's hearing goes at a different rate. My hearing has just gone and disappeared basically. And I think part of it, of course, is age, and part of it as well is that for the last 30 years, I have put things in my ears in order to do radio shows and podcasts. And the volume at which those, the sounds come into your ears, it yeah, it basically destroys your hearing. It's pretty much the same as being in a rock and roll band. Like Pete Townsend can't hear anything. I can't hear anything. I, can't, I really need to listen very carefully when people talk to me. So I have put these in my ears and I have tapped them. And the amplification is tremendous. And I, I, when I say this, I, you're going to say, well, you're an old man and you have no hearing. Now, the amplification is tremendous for anybody. You will be surprised if you are over the age, I would say, of 40. You will be surprised at how much hearing you have lost. If you went and got your hearing checked, you would find out from a doctor that you've lost a lot more than you think. And it is sort of the registers. In other words, I can hear things, but it's hard for me to distinguish words because it all sounds like it's coming at me at the same speed. And that is pretty typical of losing hearing. So the Nuheara IQ two buds max. yeah, Do yeah. I have that IQ yeah. two buds max? Improve your soundscape. Yes, they are a tremendous help. And you ought to, you ought to think about this, you know, because you're going to say, well, I hear everything great. Well, you, it, you you're going to hear it better, you know. If some is good, more is better. And your hearing is going to be better when you use this. Newhira, N U H E A R A is there. I've lost the
1: It's uh, newhira.com. So yeah, so, dot
0: com. Yeah, go to right. that. newhira.com. Go to that. You have my personal recommendation on I don't do this for all the commercials. You have my personal recommendation on this.
3: You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser show.
0: This is a group called Mardi Gras. Wait till I read the rest of it. They are a rock pop band from Rome, Italy. One of the seven European acts to watch for is chosen by Reader's Digest. After publishing our singles, You Do Something To Me, and From Zero To One, we now present Come Speak To Me. This is Come Speak To Me. The song is about the need and desire to communicate between two people to return to life through words. Meanwhile, the moon tells stories. This is Mardi Gras. How tremendous is this? They're that's from brilliant. Rome, Italy, not Rome, New York, kids, not Rome, Georgia. Rome, Italy, Mardi Gras. How did they find us? Tremendous, tremendous. Okay, Ryan Windhorse joins us now. And, and, you know, we'll talk about the NBA, that's fine. But I learned something yesterday from Kelleher that undoubtedly you know. But I, I had to discover it myself. Kelleher said to me at some point before we were doing the show, he said, um, when do you think the last team that is still alive in the playoffs, of the eight teams still alive in the playoffs, when do you think the last team that won a championship won the championship? And so, Brian, I went through this. I said, well, Utah's never won a championship. The Clippers have never won a championship. Denver has never won a championship. Who else is alive in the West? Um, uh, Phoenix has never won a championship. So that wipes out the four in the West completely. In the East, so you've got Philadelphia, you've got Atlanta, you've got Milwaukee, and who's the fourth team? The Nets. The Nets have never won a championship. So now we're down to three. And I said, well, the Hawks won, but not even in Atlanta. It was Bob Pettit in the 1950s. So now we're down to two teams. And one is Milwaukee, who I believe last won and only won once with Lou Alcindor before he became Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That was either in the very late 60s or the early 70s. And that leaves you with Philadelphia and the Julius Irving team, Fo 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 with Moses Malone in 1983. Now I'm sure you knew that, but that was a blow away moment for me because of all the teams that... Had won in the last twenty years, you know or just sort of repeat teams like that what do you make of that?
4: I make of it that it's going to be challenging on the t v rating standpoint <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, yes you know if you want if you want if you want the the cold hard answer uh but you know um it's also an opportunity for some some young players uh and some newer stars to take center stage i mean. Donovan Mitchell, I know he's not brand new on the scene, but this is right. Donovan Mitchell's time. And there was Donovan Mitchell last night. Breathtaking yep. performance to win that game. You know, uh, Devin Booker, a 47 point closeout game the other day uh, on the road, which is as good as you'll see in NBA history in a closeout performance. Um, so this is an opportunity for a little bit of the changing of the guard. But if you took truth theorem on the NBA. They might like to see Steph Curry and LeBron still in the playoffs, but look, they're not. And so this is what we have. And this is what we'll enjoy.
0: It's interesting to me because there are, you know, Kawhi Leonard is a great player, but he's not a star. Nobody is tuning in to watch him. Maybe they're tuning in to watch Joel Embiid, but I don't really think so. I I don't, I just don't think so. I, I, I agree with you that if if you're the NBA, you're thinking, wow, who do we have to promote that will bring people to television? Yes. Who?
4: Yeah. And, you know, Nikola Jokic won the MVP. Now, Jokic is an incredible player.
0: Not a star. Um,
4: the season that he had just had, I mean, look, I've go, I can go through all this. You know all this. Um, you know, he, he is not in a household name yet. Um, so... This is where the league is. Now, I remember something that David Stern used to say. And by the way, Tony, the older I get, the more I find myself referring to stuff that David Stern said.
0: Mm. Well. He
4: would say, um, you know, the game always wins out. That if you're worried about something, that the game always went out because the nature of the game and the, and the talent that, that excels in it is, is so attractive that the game always went out. Um, I don't know if that is something that is going to satisfy people this year, but I will say that we've seen some pretty good basketball so far. And, you know, if you stayed up late last night, which I know you didn't, no, I, I, I barely didn't. did. Um, the, 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 you know, the Utah Clipper game last night was a spectacular game uh, and it probably won't get uh, huge ratings, but it was a spectacular game. And if that's the game winning out and, and that's what the league is hoping for.
0: Well, there are stars, but they're all on the same team. They're all on the nets. Kevin Durant is a star. James Harden is a star. Kyrie Irving is a star. Two of those three have won championships, which is why I actually think they're going to win the championship this year, even if if Harden is limited or doesn't play at all. I still still like them, and they are destroying the Milwaukee Bucks. I understand the caution that they haven't played in Milwaukee yet. I get that, and that could turn out to be true because that's what happened – with the Clippers, you know, it could turn out to be true, but what do you make of the way they have dismantled and with only two of them have dismantled Milwaukee
4: real quick. You know, it's just, it's almost as rare for a team to come back from two O down as it is from three, one down. Um, one of the things that teams who fall down O two always say is, well, they just did what they were supposed to. They protected their home court.
0: Right. You know, there's really
4: been no blood in this series. It, actually, there has been blood. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, it happens. 3-1 happens, too. We saw two 3-1s last year. We just saw a 2-0 comeback. I mean, it's not like it never happens. But getting down 2-0 is, is not a minor thing, is my point. And, you know, teams, I think, slough it off to try to make it, make themselves feel better. Um, but not only the 2-0, but uh, for Milwaukee to have an opportunity uh, for two bites at the apple to take a game without Harden, to not only not get it, but to be sure. down fifty points in Just that in what? that game in that game two. its absolutely unacceptable performance by them. And it, you know, it, it, I don't want to undermine what the Nets did, but the, the the Bucks came out in game one of this series, Tony, and they scored seventy-two points in the paint, and they did that because for all of Brooklyn's uh, positive things, they're they're very soft and small in the middle. They know they're, they're soft and small in the middle, and they just try to mitigate it with their offense. And Milwaukee scored 70. It was the third most points in the paint in the game in the last 25 years in the playoffs. Wow. And if I was Mike Budenholzer, I would be saying to my team, guys, we had 72 points in the paint in game one, and we lost by eight. We're going to go for 80 points in the paint in game two. Uh, instead, they come out and shoot jumpers and play ISO basketball and don't attack at all. You know, all very reduction in attack. And it's like inviting the nets. I mean, every time the bucks take a a jump shot, especially every time Giannis takes a jump shot, you can put a little check Mark and on the Nets side for, for great job. And yeah, you would say, boy, the nets have a great offense. They're amazing. But, you know, they're averaging 120 points in the two games. Now, that's a lot of points. But if you're Milwaukee, you would say to yourself, you know, maybe 120 is a little much, but 115, 117, we should be able to overcome that. The Bucks aren't down 0-2 because of their defense. They're down 0-2 because they're not killing the nets on the interior. And that is on Mike Budenholzer, and that is on Giannis, and that is something that has got to change if they have any hope.
0: This is what Wilbon said yesterday, that they played stupid Completely stupid that they should have gone inside time and time and time again. It is remarkable to me so far, and I use that word advisedly, they swept Miami. Miami was the finalist last year. They killed Miami, and they have looked just awful, inept, shredded by the Nets, right? It's, it's an unbelievable turnaround.
4: Yes. And, you know, the Nets are a very good team, you know, and, you know, if they beat you because Durant goes, you know, 17 of 23 from the field, that's going to happen. But game one, Harden limps off 30 seconds into the game and, you know, the Nets scored 115 points. I mean, that's a lot of points. But for Brooklyn, that's not a very good game. That is a game you've got, got, got to get if you're Milwaukee. And then, okay, so you didn't get it. But you got, you've got to come out in the second in the, in game two, smelling absolute blood. This is your whole season, you know, coming down to this. This is the some people believe this is the NBA finals that's being played out. It it doesn't look like it to me the way that Milwaukee's playing. But you know, and for them to come out with that lethargy, for them to come out with that that game plan. I mean, look, I, I know that you know, unless you're a Bucks fan, you probably don't care about this. But I was just completely stunned and let down at the way Milwaukee came into that game.
0: I can understand that. I, I'm going to go back to the, the thing you were saying about Donovan Mitchell. Um, do, you, do you like Utah in that series? Do you like them over the Clippers?
4: Um,
0: Tony, the Clippers are a
4: very difficult team for me to make an honest assessment of because there are times where they look like they are a three-time championship team. Uh, Kawhi Leonard in this last series uh, that they won seven games with. It's
0: great. Um, it's great.
4: He was 11 of 11 shooting in the fourth quarter of the entire. He didn't miss a shot in the fourth quarter of the entire series against Dallas. When you see a guy play like that, and you know we've seen Kawhi do this before, it's very difficult for you to say that man can't win any game at any time. Um, so I can't sit here and make an honest prediction about what happens with the Clippers because. I think it's just a foolish thing. I mean, I could say something to say something, but I honestly don't know. What I will say about Utah is that Utah is an excellent team. Utah has the pedigree of a championship team. If you watch the way that they play, they play like a team. They can defend at a high level. They're in, in an era of shooting. They're arguably the best shooting team in the league. They move the ball. They work together on defense. The last play of this game, they played – as great of a, you know, battlefield defense under pressure as you'll probably ever see. Ending with um, a block. Gobert,
0: Ending with a block, yeah. Rudy yeah. Gobert. Yeah.
4: Who I, I don't know what the NBA schedule is, but um, Rudy Gobert is going to be named Defensive Player of the Year, maybe even today, here today tomorrow. they got a Rookie of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year they got to come out with here. Um, you know, they have the pedigree to do it. Um, and, you know, the one thing on them was, is Donovan Mitchell a type of player who can carry them home in a playoff game? And the answer is yes. Uh, they won that the,
0: game without Mike Conley, like their starting yeah. point guard was not on the court. So that's impressive. Yes. And, was impressive. and the thing
4: I'll say about them is in the Memphis series, which I know probably very few people were watching, Memphis, right. uh, Utah, uh, in that Memphis series, both games that they played in Memphis, remember, they went in, they, you know, they. They sat Mitchell in Game One and lost. It was one-one going into Memphis. Both of those games could have gone either way with about seven minutes to go, and they wrapped their head or they wrapped their arms around that game and choked Memphis out with just awesome play. Same thing happened last night. They just were a better team down the stretch of the game, and that's what a championship team looks like.
0: Um, I'll get you out of here on this. It's it's curious. I'm actually curious about this. A couple of coaches were fired the other day. Steve Clifford was fired. I, he he doesn't register with me. I don't know anything about him. Uh, but Terry Stotts was fired in Portland, a team that you know makes the playoffs every single year, is dependent on outside shooting most of the time, but you know is a pretty good team to watch. And it seemed to me that he did a pretty good job. Why was he fired?
4: Uh, two reasons. One, they ranked 29th in the, in defense and where their downfall was, was when they couldn't get stops. And they had, uh, they had done some things to get some defensive players and then they, they didn't translate. Mm-hmm. And two, okay. because the, uh, the, the general manager is playing CYA, <laughs> um, in, okay. you know, okay. a quote that yeah. is a few, very few people say out loud, but he did. <laughs> Neil O'Shea is the general manager. He came out and, and said, We didn't lose in the first round because of the roster. In other words, don't blame me. Don't blame I me. A great team. And right. uh, I was like, Wow, okay, well, uh, we all see how you feel about it. So that's what happened there. And look, um, he can say, This is the same thing that I said last year when Tillman Fertita and Raphael Stone, the owner and new GM in Houston, came out and had these beautiful, elaborate explanations about how their team was actually going in the right direction. And Mike D'Antoni telling them to stick it and Daryl Morris saying, I got to get the hell out of here actually is just fine. Guys, everything is fine. Don't worry. If you think we're in trouble, you are a problem, Mr. Media, you are a problem. They can say whatever they want to the fans. They can put on whatever song and dance they want. The only audience that mattered in Houston was James Harden and very clearly He saw what he saw and said, this ain't it. So this is what I will say to Portland, that I don't think they're there yet, but boy, can I see it on the horizon. He can say whatever he's got to say to make himself feel better. His only audience that matters is Damian Lillard. And if Damian Lillard smells BS or too much BS, because there's obviously plenty already, you're going to have a hardened situation possibly happening.
0: Wow. All right. Thank you, Brian. I hope we get to talk more during the playoffs. Brian Windhorst, boys and girls. Love Brian Windhorst. Really do. We'll take a break. Ron Darling will join us when we return and we'll talk about the goop that pitchers put on the ball and what it means. If Ron will actually say that he used goop, that would be fun, but I don't. It's a long time ago. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser
1: Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. It's officially summer at our house, and Sunday wants to help you enjoy your yard. Uh, for us, that means filling up the water table in the front driveway and letting the boys splash around and then firing up the grill in the backyard. And unfortunately, this time of year, we are getting ready for mosquito season. And you think that you have everything already? Charcoal's lit. Mosquito I wish I could Delito, baby. In. Mosquito Delito. Well, that just tips the <laughs> yeah. read, doesn't it? Mosquito delito, <laughs> mosquito delito just after bug doom has been applied to the yard. Yeah. Uh, so they don't want your hot dogs to taste like bug spray, okay? Uh don't worry, Sunday has you covered? Yes, the same guys that made it easy for me to get a healthy green lawn are now helping me take care of my pests. This is so great you get the you get the yard in order first, and now we actually get to enjoy it It's all customized based on your location delivered straight to your door. actually, all you do is enter your address uh, and they will do a lawn analysis and let you know what you need based on your location for us, our front yard's okay, our backyard uh Is basically a bricked-in wall that has a lot of bamboo growing over, and it's hard to control the mosquitoes, so this stuff will really work. Uh, They have better ingredients, and for us, with two young boys, it is all about the natural ingredients, and Sunday makes fighting pests easier than ever. So just type in your address at GetSunday.com slash Tony. They'll figure out what pests are active in your area, ants, mosquitoes, ticks. That's the big one. That is the big one, and they have something called Dad, the new reveal,
0: Nick's. Ticks. Nick's ticks. Nick's ticks. Not tickets to Nick Games. <laughs> oh, that'd be hard tics. to get right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They
1: can handle it all, both inside and outside your home. Sunday sends you exactly what you need, right to your door with step-by-step instructions. So you can't mess it up. Pest control used to involve expensive services and guys in hazmat suits, you never really know what they're spraying down in your yard, yeah. and you just sort of you sort of hope you don't find about it in some sort of recall. Now we do it all ourselves without the scary synthetic pesticides. Mosquito Doledo and is Nick's here tics. for you. Nick's Ticks. It sounds like a band. Like it. Like Sunday it. is made with better for the planet ingredients like cedar oil, chrysanthemum extract, canola oil, so you can manage pests better. Actually, sounds like the beginnings of a salad dressing. And you feel better about it. Before you pick up the phone and call some service that will charge you hundreds, try Sunday and get the same effectiveness at half the cost. Let Sunday take the guesswork out of controlling pests in your home and yard this summer. Visit GetSunday.com slash Tony. To get $10 off your Smart Pest Planet checkout. That's $10 off your custom plan at slash Tony. Use Mix the
0: code ticks. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a song called Telephones. It's by Rabbi Misha Ben David in Austin, Texas. He writes, It was written in 1998 and requires some explanation to those under 40. Who don't recall pay phones and answering machines it will appear on his next CD entitled Love Rules. We play him all the time and we love him. And today, for the first time, we played Mardi Gras. If people like Rabbi Misha Ben David and groups like Mardi Gras from Rome, Italy, want to send their original music in, Michael, how do they do it?
1: Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at Tony
0: So I promoted this before. Um, it's my great pleasure to have Ron Darling on the show. For those of you who don't know, Ron Darling was. Most of the people who talk about baseball on the show are people like me who watched baseball and weren't very good at baseball. Ron has a world championship ring from pitching with the New York Mets, which is why I want to talk to him about pitching, the crisis in pitching right now. How seriously, I mean, as we talk about foreign substances on the baseball, um, when I was a kid, Whitey Ford, cut the baseball up with his belt buckle, but I don't know if he, you know, and talked about that. I don't know. Did, did you ever put stuff on the baseball to improve your grip and, and improve the quality of your pitching?
2: You know, I, I never did. Now I'm not, it's not, I'm not taking this moral high ground. Uh, right. I didn't because if you, um, in 1985, uh, when Dwight Gooden had his fantastic year and won the Cy Young, um, Uh, that I I always thought there was only one category left for me to get an italics in the baseball reference. And it was walks. So I led the league in walks that year. So I always had (laughs) trouble. I had trouble um, commanding the strike zone early in my career. So having something uh, on my fingers uh, would not have helped. I just really needed that feel and and finally figured it out. But uh, in my day, I, I just remember now, listen, guys always cheated. Um, it was kind of their own private Idaho, though. Guys would take that path to try to get an edge, when, and whether it was a belt buckle, whether it was uh, one of their teammates on the field cutting the ball with a something on their glove, uh, whether right. it was sandpaper or or or, or file, um, that's what guys uh, tended to use uh, in those days. But it was really a a kind of a a, a sole uh, purpose of trying to get an edge. It wasn't a a rampant, unfettered kind of thing like we have today.
0: So so my, my problem with this is that often when you hear from hitters, hitters who should be most negatively affected by the fact that a pitcher would be able to add some sort of substance that would make him a better pitcher, what hitters seem to say is it's okay because it gives them more control of the ball and we don't get hit in the face quite as often, which strikes me as then that would become a problem for baseball if both hitters and pitchers were okay with this. You're closer to it than I. Do you hear the same thing?
2: Well, I I think what has happened, Tony, is that when the pitchers first said they needed some substance because of all the velocity in the game uh, to command the baseball, well, I I think the hitters felt as though, well, that's a good decision like i don't want to be hit in the face and i don't want to be hit uh, with 100 miles an hour the problem is they are being hit uh and that hasn't uh, changed what they were sold is a faulty bill of goods um they were sold that pitchers were going to use it to control the baseball and not have it up around their noggin but what pitchers have been able to do because they were given that initial uh kind of entree into it is that they've been able to use whatever substance they've evolved to, and using the Rapsodo and TrackMan, they've been able to scientifically figure out how much stuff to use, how to spin it, what stuff best spins it, and what is best for me. So they've they've turned uh, the ability to grip the baseball into uh, a science where at times I see breaking balls that look like – The wiffle balls I used to throw in my backyard when I was 10 years old.
0: Let me first ask, what is it that most pitchers use? Is there a consensus as to what will improve their pitching? What is the goop they use?
2: (laughs) Well, there's a a goop that they use. um, And and certainly, I don't know if this is uh, what all pitchers use, but I know this has become very popular and it's a uh, it's called Spider Tack I think is what it's called but it became famous if you remember those shows where the bodybuilder guys would lift tons of balls that weighed 200 pounds or tires they'd roll for yeah. for uh, hundred yards that's where it first became famous because it gave attackiness to these uh, uh, these uh, strong men. Uh, while they were trying to lift uh, crazy objects. And that's kind of where it came from. And, in fact, um, uh, recently uh, uh, the guy who started that company was a bodybuilder himself, a power lifter, and he was asked about it, and he had no idea the baseball players were using it. But uh, that's been one substance they use. But uh, uh, certainly, Tony, each uh, pitcher can kind of figure out their own uh, stuff to use.
0: The remarkable thing, though, is what you were saying before, which is that the technology that we have now reveals all these things. The technology reveals the improvement that a pitcher makes in spin rates or whatever. And so you, you can't hide from this, because if you don't use this stuff, you don't have these rates. Am I right on that, 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 that the technology is the detective?
2: It, it is, and, and and it's in real time, Tony. That's the most amazing part. I'm asked all the time why hitters have not been able to make the improvements that pitchers have. Well, pitchers is a proactive science, right? Um, at some point, you're starting, you're holding the ball, you're gripping it, you're throwing it, whatever. The hitter, it doesn't matter what kind of numbers he's got. It's a reactive science. Um, right. And you can't right. start any anything that you want to start until the ball has been delivered. That's why the pitchers have really made these advancements. But in real time, they are getting feedback on exactly what can make them better. And uh, the tacky substance has allowed them, uh, has allowed a lot of pitchers, uh, to get exponentially better. And um, I think what the hitters are asking for now, we have a rule on the books. You can't deface, uh, damage, or discolor the baseball. They're asking for that to be enforced because of the unevenness we have right now between pitching and hitting to give them a fair chance.
0: Rob Manfred, among others, Theo Epstein, among others, seems to indicate that baseball is in trouble because of the dominance of pitchers. Again, I ask you as someone who was a pitcher, do you agree with that? Is baseball headed, are they in real trouble right now?
2: Well, I, I don't, I don't know uh, real trouble. That's uh, that's complicated. I, I will say this: um, is that what you have now is a, one part of the game is so much better than the other part of the game, and uh, the reason that you're trying to level some of the playing field. And we've heard talk, Tony, of moving the mound back a, a
3: foot. Yeah.
2: We've heard talk of of, of trying to do uh, rules that'll help the running game, all of those kind of things, uh, but. Um, to level the playing field where it's just natural your hand um, how you grip the baseball without any tackiness certainly is going to lower the rpms it's going to keep the ball uh, the four-seam fastball out of the air so it won't have that appearance that it's rising and it'll stop those i call them mickey mouse breaking balls you know i watch the game every night um, I have to do a game every night. Yeah, and there's uh, you know, I remember there was maybe one or two guys in each league that threw a breaking ball that no one else could throw. Um, now you're seeing it every single night, and uh, that's what's made it um really impossible. Um, and there's a collateral confidence that goes with this, and and what I mean by that is is when I get to a point, Tony, where I know that I have developed a pitch. That if I throw it as hard as I can and I've got enough tackiness on my fingers, the RPM rate is going to be past what the physical eyesight and reaction time of a hitter can process. Do you know what kind of confidence that gives me uh, on the mound and the way I approach my art?
0: So, so do pitchers just brazenly take some goop out there somewhere on their uniforms or their bodies <laughs> uh-huh. and just... Use it pitch after pitch? Is that how it works?
2: I think, I think it's more brazen than you think. If you watch a game uh, in the way the guys use the tips of their gloves, the tips of their hats, the top, the bottom. Um, the, the, I remember the first time I, I noticed from watching games that something was awry. And uh, it was in between innings and I, and I said it to one of the guys that I work with. And I said, boy, isn't this interesting? Nobody... Licks their fingers anymore. Now one person goes to his mouth. No one puts his fingers on his tongue to get a little moisture. And I wonder why that is. Well, you don't want to have your finger stuck to your tongue. That's why. Um, <laughs> you know. So you know that 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 was kind of uh, uh, the telltale sign for me is that they no longer needed that. So are they are they brazen about it? Uh, yes. Yeah. Now in the in the pitcher's defense, uh, not defense, but. And the pitchers thought, I, I believe at this point, and maybe this is why Garrett Cole had a, had a really difficult time um, having an answer ready. I think that pitchers feel as though what they're doing is no different than hitters uh, with pine tar and whatever to get a grip on the bat, that it's right. all part of, of, of playing the game at a high level. And uh, I, I, I don't believe that, but I think a lot of pitchers believe that.
0: Do you think at this point baseball is truly serious about curbing this?
2: Yeah, no, they're, they're, they're totally serious. The, the issue, the issue is, is how you're going to do it, um, how random it will be, whose responsibility will it be? Are we going to make the umpires, if we've really stripped away any kind of power that they've ever had in the game, we've slowly stripped that away, are we going to put it on them uh, to, be, to, to police this? Um, remember, this, this has always been in the rule books, but with a wink and a nod, this right. has been allowed to happen. Now, in the past, if you, if you had a problem with a pitcher, the manager will tell the umpire, I want you to go out and check Joe Negro. Uh, he's got something in his back pocket. Um, that's how it's always been. Uh, but I think all managers know that they can't go out and ask about pitcher A because they've got pitchers C, D, and E on their team. Uh, that certainly are are, uh, are using foreign substances. So, um, yes, I, I, I think they're very serious about it. Um, I uh, you know the ten game uh, suspension is what's in the rule book, and uh, I think that it it couldn't work really quickly. For only this reason, Tony, nobody, not one pitcher wants to be embarrassed on the mound, uh, have the ball taken away from him, and accused of cheating uh, the game. No one wants to be accused of that. And I'm sure that pitchers right now are deciding uh, to discard their stuff, uh, get a little better at hiding what they use, Uh, but there's a lot of decisions being made everywhere.
0: Thank you, by the way, for getting up early in the morning to do this. I appreciate it, I'll Ah. get you out of here on this. You get to watch Jacob deGrom. Jacob deGrom appears to be somebody truly historically special. What is it like to watch him?
2: Uh, It's, um, you know, I I guess people that watch Seaver and Gibson and those pitchers, uh, certainly this is a different generation. The game is pitched differently and uh, things are asked differently of pitchers. But it all breaks down to the same thing. And that is uh, who's got the biggest heart, who has the best stuff, who's able to mix power and precision at the same time. And one of the things I always measure pitchers by is that it doesn't matter how good you are, whether you're a Kershaw or DeGrom or Cole or Bauer, uh, uh, Mike Mussina, you're always gonna have people on base. And how do you pitch and uh, prevent runs when runners are on base? And I've never seen anyone, and I'm including the great Dwight Gooden, who I played with, I've never seen anyone prevent runs Uh, when, uh, when he he has to, um, his numbers, when the bases are loaded are things of, of, uh, um, you'll write a book about it someday, but he's just uh, a pleasure to watch. And, and he brings an athleticism to the point where, uh, we've talked a lot about Shohei Atani and, and, uh, it's one of the great stories in the game. But when Jacob deGrom takes the mound, he usually is the best athlete on the field. You don't always, I, I remember saying that uh, or hearing that about Bob Gibson uh, when Bob used to take the mound. And I say the same thing about DeGrom.
0: It's wonderful to have you. Thank you, Ron. I hope we get to talk again.
2: Well, thanks, Tony. Take care, buddy.
0: Ron, darling. Tremendous. It's tremendous. We'll take a break. We will have email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're
2: listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show.
0: So have you ever browsed in incognito
1: mode? I'm sure some pictures are ours are trying to hide the goop. <laughs> yeah, the goop. It's probably not as incognito as you think. And why would it be incognito mode like the Chrome browser itself is a Google product? And Google has made its fortune by tracking your movements online. There's even a $5 billion class action lawsuit against the company in California where it's accused of secretly collecting user data. Google's defense, incognito does not mean invisible. So how do you actually make yourself as invisible as possible online? Use ExpressVPN. VPN. turns out that even in incognito mode, your online activity still gets tracked and data brokers still get to buy and sell your data. Still love that job title, data broker. One of these data points is your IP Who address. are you dating? Well, you're I not even, a You're not even. You're not even looking at
0: me. Right.
1: <laughs> One of these data points is your IP address. Eyes are still down, Dad. Data data (laughs) harvesters use your IP to a unique... Data harvesters, like organ harvesters. Oh, gosh. (laughs) We're going to have to go in to uniquely identify you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, your connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server, and your IP address is masked. Every time you connect to ExpressVPN, you get a random IP address shared by many other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it harder for third parties to identify you or harvest your data. Best of all, ExpressVPN is super easy to use. No matter what device you're on, phone, laptop, smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button for instant protection. So if you really want to go incognito and protect your privacy, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN. Visit expressvpn.com Tony and get three extra months for free. That's expressvpn.com Tony. They sort of spelled out the letters, but I, I think you can spell that out,
0: right? Tony? Yeah. Well, VPN? Yeah, I can spell it. Okay. Express. <laughs> VPN.
1: Yeah. Go to expressvpn.com
0: slash Tony to learn more. It's a tremendous read.
2: This is The Tony Kornheiser Show.
0: That's great. All the instruments are played by one fellow, Ian Harrington, who happens to be an emergency room doctor, right, at Sibley? Yes. Which is sort of amazing, right? Yes. I mean, he's good at two things, emergency room doc and instruments fantastic uh nigel bethesda bagel ad go ahead knock it out uh, yes bethesda bagels we love them
1: you will as well in fact when i was in there this morning got a hearty la cheesery from one of the patrons in there all you need to do is go to uh dot bagels.com for the location in the dc area nearest you then pop on in and you will be thrilled
0: Tremendous. Big that, news,
1: big news. What? C- celebrate Bootsy's turning four with the Bootsy 4 code at Johnny O and Father's Day. Uh, Bootsy
0: 4, Bootsy number four? four. Yeah, it'd be f- 4,
1: B-O-O-T-S-I-E, oh, four, that's number great.
0: four. Oh, go get Johnny O stuff. Go get some matching swim trunks. It's lovely, and they have stuff for kids, too, because yeah. my grandchildren are the best dressed boys in the United States of America. <laughs> That'll just about do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say he died in a bizarre gardening accident it was one of those things that authorities felt was best left unsolved. I assume, I assume that's from the rockumentary Spinal <laughs> yes, Tap. Is. I'm yes. going to assume that. <laughs> Thanks to our guests today, Ron Darling and Brian Windhorst. Both great. Thanks to our sponsors, Sunday Express VPN and New Hero. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. From David Thibodeau, When will Subway come to the realization that Wilbon should be their national spokesperson? Shut up and eat fresh, knuckleheads. <laughs> David the H is still silent. David Thibodeau. I got that wrong. Nick Forsyth of Washington Crossing, Pennsylvania. Yes, the town that George Washington crossed the Delaware from was named Washington Crossing. This past week, my girlfriend showed up at our apartment with a Subaru. Not just any color Subaru, but Subaru decided that instead of beige, they'd add some metallic green and call it tungsten. She previously drove a Nissan Altima that was about as safe as a Pinto, so I just assumed that it broke down. This was a rental, and she decided not to say anything, so I wouldn't leave work early to help. When I questioned her about what happened, she told me she bought it, and I relegated her to the sofa until this past weekend. This morning, when heading out to my car, I saw a couple of new badges on it. Apparently, if Subaru wasn't pretentious enough, they have a badge of ownership program where people can share your passions, tell your story, connect with others, unquote. I am doing to spend the next couple of nights at my parents' house. She's in medical school, so I really don't want to break up with her. I'd love the free health care. My question to you is, should I just break up with her or pour sugar in the gas tank so she gets a new car? Just a great email. Just so great. From Bobby Gottfried. Last year, the neighbors across the street from me bought a brand new Subaru when their older child, a masculine child, went off to college taking their old Toyota. I liked them, so I managed to look past this transgression. However, the, their son has now traded the old Toyota for another brand new Subaru. I can no longer look the other way. Do I need to move or is it acceptable for me to hand them a suitcase of cash for their house and tell them to be out by 30 minutes? I'll hang up and listen. From Jim Lentz, Emerging from God's, emailing rather, not emerging, emailing from God's waiting room in Sarasota, Florida, the woman to whom I'm related by marriage and I attended the Belmont on Saturday. I was listening to the Thursday pod when you had Andy Byer on to handicap the race. With great excitement, I told my wife we are taking Essential Quality on Saturday. She wanted to know with knowledge, I am, what, what is the knowledge I am making this case? And I said, the Tony Corners is a podcast. She shook her head dismissively, but I stood resolute by this information for life. Saturday comes and Essential Quality wins the race. I sprint to the betting window with great pride to collect our winnings based on Andy's pick and the trifecta for that race. This win validated all the hours I listened to the pod, and now I can say, scoreboard Stacy. Cheers for all the laughs and the absolutely worthless knowledge you and the crew, not Selyza, provide me on a weekday basis. Carl in Oswego, New York, where it gets cold. Just a reminder that the new moon on June 10th, which is tomorrow, is not just any new moon, but one that'll be lined up with the sun to produce a partial eclipse at sunrise. Dig out your special glasses that I'm sure you purchased in 2017 and take a look on Thursday. Please do not stare at the sun without your special glasses. If you cannot find them, then have Michael show you how you can create a pinhole viewer in a shoebox. From Mike Houston or Houston on Connecticut Avenue, your conversation with Jay Billis took me back to the late fall of 2003, where as a freshman at Mizzou, I was attending the basketball team's Midnight Madness event at the Old Hearn Center. The Tigers were preseason top five after two solid tournament runs led by coach Quinn Snyder. As we settled in the stands courtside, a friend did the old tap and point. Billis, they exclaimed. Jay Billis was standing on the court. ESPN wasn't filming. There was no broadcast. He'd simply flown to Columbia, Missouri in October to support his Duke teammate, Quinn. Jay's description of the early days of Coach K's Duke squads and the, th- the through line of the program under Mike perfectly explained why an incredibly busy and in-demand person would endeavor such a journey. Good memories. P.S. I played bass trombone for the marching Mizzou and well with pride every time you played that version of the mailbag theme. Isn't that great? From Steve the Sycophant, this is an absolutely true story. As I lazed on my deck listening to you talk to Mr. Mike on Monday's pod discussing cicadas, <laughs> you said the magic words, they land on you. At that exact moment, a cicada dive-bombed into my head. As I frantically swatted it away, the cicada performed a 180-degree barrel roll, crashed into a window, and followed that by zooming into the woods and smashing into the tree. After that, it appeared to be tempting... Attempting to mate with a toadstool. My conclusion, <laughs> cicadas are not the smartest of nature's creatures. And and I should stay off the deck for at least two more weeks. Keith Hahn in Saratoga Springs, New York. Saratoga's in the Finger Lakes. Next you'll be telling me that Toronto's in the Great Midwest. No, no Saratoga's far too far east for the Finger Lakes. No, that was bad information. From Adam McCaslin in Mattoon, Illinois, I think we're slowly starting to solve the mystery of why you've been losing so much weight. Your diet apparently consists of two-week-old steak and Jesse's leftovers. And from Claire <laughs> Natola, as a chronic underachiever, I'm envious of those littles who have legitimate qualifications and actual knowledge of stuff that matters, thus allowing them to be the official whatever the Tony Kornheiser show. Might I be the official rumdum of the Tony <laughs> Kornheiser show? Indeed, Claire, indeed. <laughs> If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear whites.
4: Stop the hammering. Stop the hammering out there. Who's got a hammer? Where is it? Where's the hammer? Is it on the Go up on the other floor. Somebody go up there and stop the hammering. Stop the hammering.
0: Tremendous.
5: And the things I've done. There's gravel cracks in the stinging heat, the wheel tracks from Tucumcari Carry Speed. They follow everywhere I've been, and I cross them going back again. Yeah. And there's a telephone. Reminds me of your skin I'm here to make a call Outside a liquor store in Santa Rosa My hands lift the receiver And the coins fall to the pavement Yeah, yeah, yeah Yeah The afternoon is fading into purple in the canyons. The smell of gasoline is choking, and I'm dusty, dry, and cold. These roads are just a chessboard. The black queen singing softly. I see her in my mirror. She's older than I remember. a telephone on a wall on a night long ago in texas when the heat settled like a blanket on the street by your apartment my hands lifted the receipt and i dialed so very quickly just a thumbtack it pins the night upon the ceiling and the mesa house so softly as if it can't remember i have lost all understanding of time of inspiration and i crawl into the backseat where it's deep and big and empty telephone on a wall covered with into in Tucson, Arizona late on Thursday morning and the quarters dropped like paratroopers on a mission I have sent them and there's a telephone on and it brings in Albuquerque. Someone's not at home, but they'd like to call me back. And the number was offended. I'm sorry, there's no listing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fat tires, hot, hard run. Yet yeah, she goes to the noonday sun, putting miles between myself and the things I've done.